0: You young people, stick it out, okay, stick it out, through thick and thin, because the devil's out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He knows he can't destroy the church, but he knows if he can destroy the families that make up the church, he can truly affect the church. You have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 5 want to begin a study today that we've entitled in the end what then there's an end coming for all here in the fifth chapter of the book of jeremiah god tells jeremiah in verse one of this chapter he says jeremiah he said run up and down every street in jerusalem look high look low Search throughout the entire city. If you can find even just one honest person, he said, I'll not destroy the city. Now, look, God tells Jeremiah to try to find just one faithful person who acts justly and who always is searching for the truth so that he can pardon Jerusalem. God didn't want to bring judgment upon his people. So he tells Jeremiah, just find somebody, find somebody, Jeremiah, who is faithful to me, find somebody, Jeremiah, who searches for truth so I don't have to destroy them with the coming judgment. But the sad fact was that Jeremiah couldn't find a single person that was just and true. In verse 4, Jeremiah realizes that the people he has been looking at, in other words, the people who he'd been, you know, searching for, he said, well, wait a minute, these are poor and ignorant people, okay? I've been looking in the wrong area. I've been looking in the area, you know, of the poor people who are ignorant concerning God and His laws. So in verse 5, what he does, he seeks to, to start looking in the better neighborhood, okay? On the other side of the track, if you please. He said, surely the rich are obeying the Lord. Surely, you know, the rich are are, are seeking the truth of God and they're living a just life. But, you know, it turns out that the rich are not any better than the poor. And he couldn't find even in the rich neighborhood those who are faithful to God, those who are following the commands of God, Jehovah. And because of their disobedience to the living God, God orders the Israel destroyed like a bad vineyard, he says. The people, the priest, and their false prophets, they've been comforting themselves with the idea, well, we're God's people, so God will not bring judgment upon us. Let me suggest to you that the people of the United States of America think that God will not bring judgment upon us because God has himself wrapped in an American flag. I got news for you. God does not have himself wrapped in an American flag. And don't try to say we're a godly nation because we're no longer that godly nation. We're just like the people of Israel. It's hard to find those who are truly committed to God in the United States of America today. Now, we're going to look at a lot of things over the next several weeks to help answer the simple question found in verse 31. If you'll look at that, the simple question, we're going to spend I don't know how many weeks on this. I hadn't got it all together yet. But we're going to answer this question, what will you do when the end comes? Every one of us need to ask ourselves that question, what will I do when the end comes? Let me suggest another thing to you. The end is not far off. The end is not far off. This will be the base text for this series of sermons that we've entitled, In the End, What Then? And this is the most important question that one must ask themselves in these last days of which we're living. Let's pick up the story in verse 20. Declare this to the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people. Now I want you to understand who God is speaking to. He's talking to His people does that you understand that he's talking to his people? And what does he call to his people? You foolish and senseless people. How sad when God has to refer to his people as foolish and senseless people. He says who have eyes, but you do not see. Who have ears, but do not hear. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal degree, uh, so that it cannot cross over it. And though the waves tossed, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and a rebellious heart. As we go through this, folks, you're going to say, are you sure he wasn't talking about America? This people have a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. Neither say they in their heart. Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in in his season. Uh, He reserveth unto uh, us uh, the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things. Your sins have withholding good things for you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that uh, uh, setteth snares, that they set a trap, that they catch men. As a cage full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat. Yea, they shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper. In the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul uh, be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible things is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule, uh, the the, the priests uh, bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? What will you do when the end comes? Let me ask you a question. He says there, the prophets prophesy falsely. Let me tell you, this morning, there's many churches that the prophet behind the pulpit is not preaching the true word of God. He says the prophets speak falsely and the priests rule by their own means. That too is happening within the pulpits of this nation today. So let's get started. Those who forsake God, God says you're foolish people without any understanding verse 20 he said declare the house of Jacob and publish this in Judea look I believe that we can see a direct correlation here between the house of Jacob and the people of God today when God commanded Jeremiah to declare and to publish what he was about to say uh, about all uh, Judea he was letting them know that he was about to speak and what he was about to speak they better pay attention because it was serious uh, business and folks today what god has to say to you and i what god has to say to the united states of america is serious business and we better pay attention foolish and blind and deaf is a man when he has turned his back upon god and has taken life in his own hands he says now hear this you old foolish and senseless people Look, Judah is addressed as a foolish people without understanding. How sad when God addresses his people as foolish and senseless. Their, their, their crimes and their sorrow spring in great part because of the blindness and the, and the thoughtlessness concerning God. The prophet Isaiah said, he said this uh, of Judah once. He said, you know, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib." But Israel knoweth not, my people do not consider. How sad that what Isaiah is saying, how sad that an old ox knows who his owner is. Okay? The, the, the ass, you know, knows where his crib is. He knows where his food comes from. But God's people don't even consider God in the equation. Folks, how sad. How sad it is when the people of God look at things rather than Jehovah Jireh to be their provider. You know, our families have become so focused on things. Listen to me. Our families have become so focused on the things of this world rather than God, they no longer even recognize God. Our churches have become so focused on things and programs rather than God that we don't even know when God is speaking to us. Our nation has become so focused on things rather than God, we no longer are hearing from God, Jehovah. You know, we are without a doubt a foolish, blind, and a deaf people who have turned our back On God Jehovah, and there is judgment coming as a result of it. They refuse to use the powers of the spiritual discernment they possessed, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. You know, it's important to note here that God has and God will always, God will always give his people spiritual discernment. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, God has given you spiritual discernment. Whether you're using it or not is a different story. And the reason he has given you that spiritual discernment is so that you can decide evil and good. Now, next he says here, that they have eyes to see the things of God, but they don't even see the things of God. They have ears to hear the things of God, yet they're refusing to hear the things of God. God has given them the resources that they need Excuse me, to discern the spiritual, yet they refuse to use them. Our churches are full of people whom God has given spiritual gifts who are refusing to use them. You know why they're refusing to use them? Because they like what's going on in the world. They like what they're involved in outside the church. They like what's going on in, their, you know, in, in, in society and they want to be a part of society. Therefore, they're refusing to see what it is that God is desiring for them to do. God has has given you what you need to understand what it is he's wanting you to do, folks. And we've got to get back to what God has called us to do. And there's always a danger when the people of God refuse to see and hear the things of God. In most cases, in most cases, they must they must be started again. Okay? And here's the sad thing for God to get our attention, it seems like there has to be a tragic event take place in our life. It seems like, in order for God to get our attention, a tragic event has to take place in our nation. One such event for the United States of America was 9 11. We all remember where we was on 9-11. And here's the thing. That tragic event, what did it do? Prior to 9-11, you know, our nation had all but forsaken God. Prayer was taken out of our schools, Ten Commandments out of our our courthouses. Many ungodly things were going on in this nation because the people had forsaken the Lord God. But then when that tragic event happened on September the 11th, 2001, if you will remember, people flocked to the churches. Our churches were full. Our churches were packed. Why? Because it took a tragic event to get the people to turn to God. But the sad thing about that, folks, is it didn't take long for the churches to empty out again. You know why? Because the people didn't love God. They didn't flood to the churches because they loved God. They were afraid of what was taking place outside the church. But as soon as things calmed down, where did they go? Right back out. And our churches were empty once again. How sad that is. In every sense, it seems like our nation has drifted farther and farther, farther and farther away from God since that tragic day. Even after that, we elected a president, Barack Hussein Obama, who proudly claimed America is no longer a Christian nation. And even today, those who call themselves Christians, you know, will vote for Democrat, the Democratic candidates who don't even want God in their platform. How sad that a Christian person would vote for a person who says, I don't want God in our platform. Folks, there's a problem there. And we look around and say, why is our nation where it is today? Can I tell you why? because of the people in the four walls of our churches who love the world more than they love god folks that's where judah was at this time they loved the world more than they loved god and god said judgment's coming upon you because of that what tragic event is going to happen next In order for God to one more time try to turn the American people back to him. What will be the next tragic event that's going to capture the attention of this nation? America must ask itself the question, what will we do when the end comes? Second thing here is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We know that. He said in verse 22 and 23, do you not fear me? You know, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble at my presence? Look, Solomon said in Proverbs 9 and 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear we're talking about, folks, here is reverence before God, it's reverence toward God. God asked the question to Judah, Why do you not honor me? He says, Why why don't you honor me? Why why, why aren't you all before me? The reason was that God meant little to them that's where they were not at all against him that's why they were not honoring him look no one will honor that which means little to them if god don't mean much to you you're not going to honor god if god doesn't mean much to you you're not going to be in awe at god no one will be at all something that means nothing to them they lack the wisdom necessary to see and hear from God. They lack the understanding of his ways because they no longer honored God. Look, God's power, we must understand, is a restraining force. Verse 22b, here's what he says. For I have placed the sand uh, uh, as a boundary for the sea an eternal decree, so it cannot cross over. This is the example he's using how even the seas obey him, even the seas have respect for him, even the seas honor him and reverence him. He says, though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot cross over it. The majesty of God ought to stir our hearts, folks, with wonder, and it ought to melt them to constrain his fear. You know, it, it, you know, we ought to be in awe at Him to the point that we're willing to prostrate ourselves out before Him and lay ourselves out before Him and just honor Him and praise Him, and worship Him. Look, we know that the sea, even though it rages day and night, it, it, it is entirely submissive to the commands of God. And when God says to the sea, "Here you shall go, and no further." That's what he's talking about in there. So you can go this far, see, but you can't go no further. What does the sea do? It's raging, okay? But it, when it gets to that point that God said don't go no further, it don't go no further, okay? I, an example of that, I guess you might say, is God has created it to have low tides and high tides, right? God says, here's your high tide. You ain't going no further than that. And even the sea obeys him and you know what stops it that sand that sand the sea has respect for the sand because the sea knows the creator who placed it there now the next thing we see here is the rebellious spirit of man hinders his obedience to god look at verse 23 but his people has a stubborn and a rebellious heart. Now, you just got through comparing with the sea. The sea obeys. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. Uh, he, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Look, God here contrasts the obedience of the strong and mighty untamed sea with, with the rebellious character of his people. The sea, he says this, the sea saith he obeys me, it never breaks its boundary, it, it never leaps from its channel it obeys me though it rages day and night he goes on to say but man the little creature who i could crush as a moth will not be obedient to me the sea obeys me from shore to shore without reluctance but my people are revoking and a rebellious people they go astray from me how sad how sad that the majority of the Christians within the United States of America are going astray from God. How sad. There's other things that this world offers that gets our attention. There's other things that this world offers that takes our time. There's other things that this world offers that takes our finances. There's other things that this world offers that takes our worship away from God. Listen to me. Anything, anything, anything. Would somebody say anything? Anything that we put before God is another God. And that's what Judah had done. And that's what's happening in the United States of America with God's people. What will you do? When the end comes, you know, isn't it amazing that that the whole earth is obedient to God except man? Look, the animal kingdom is obedient to man. Okay, um, the plant kingdom is obedient to God. The rivers, the seas. But man who was created in the image of God, man who God loves so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on an old cross for our sins, man whom Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again, you know, to receive you into my own man whom God promised eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. We can't even be obedient to God. You know, another thing that's, uh, that's amazing, talking about the animal kingdom, do you know that the animals are so much smarter than human beings? Animals know that it takes a male and a female to make a baby. You know, there, there, there's still some people that don't understand that. Now, Doc, I would ask you if you've ever delivered a baby from a man, but I don't think you have, okay? Okay. It may come to that. You never know. I mean, they're doing amazing things with these transplants nowadays and and sex changes. But, you uh, you know, even an animal knows it takes a male and a female to make a baby. But you know what? Man don't really understand that. Even an animal knows he can't transform from a male to a female. You know, a rooster knows I can't become a hen and lay an egg. They got more sense than we do. That's just a thought. We ain't going to charge you for that thought. That's just one of those thoughts that go through my mind. But look here. Man whom God has promised eternity is the only thing that God has created that cannot be obedient to him. C.H. Spurgeon. Spurgeon once made this statement concerning this very particular passage. He said this. Without supernatural means, God, God can make all creatures Obedient, save man. But man is so disobedient in his heart that only some supernatural agency can make him obedient to God. While the simple agency of sand can restrain the sea, without any stupendous effort of divine power, more than he ordinarily puts out in nature, he cannot thus make man Obedient to his will. Boy, isn't that something? Look, how sad that the sea is is so easily restrained by a belt of sand. But we are a people who are bent on revoking from him. You know why that is? It's because we fail to ask the question, what will I do in the end? If I remain disobedient, what will I do when the end comes? If I continue exceeding my borders that God has set for me, what will I do when the end comes? If I don't get, my, if I don't get serious in my walk with the Lord, what will I do when the end comes? You see, that's the biggest problem in our churches today, folks. Listen. The biggest problem in our churches today is people aren't serious in their walk with the Lord. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves for just a moment. Am I really serious in my walk with the Lord? Is my church attendance what it should be? Is my tithing what it should be? Is my time given to some ministry what it should be? Is my prayer time what it should be? Is my time in the word of God what it should be? Are you really serious with God? Are you really serious with God? That's what it comes down to. We have to look deep within our side within ourselves and say, am I serious in this relationship with God? or is just this is just a Sunday morning thing I do just because we're supposed to do it. God's looking for more from you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants more for you or from you. He wants you to get serious with your walk with him. Look, if you're saved, God has a ministry for you of some type, some kind, somewhere, some form. How do I know that? Because he's given you spiritual gifts. And what are the spiritual gifts for to be used within the church? And if you're not doing that, I love you. God loves you. But you're not serious in your walk with God. Okay? You're not serious. This chapter began with a command to Jeremiah, run up and down every street in Jerusalem. Say, to, say says the Lord, look high, look low, search throughout the city. If you can find even one honest person, if you can find any, just one committed person, Jeremiah, I'll not destroy the city. But Jeremiah, judgment's coming unless you can give me that one. Isn't it amazing that even among God's people he couldn't find that one faith? Today, listen to me, God is still looking for just one person who's willing to be obedient to him. God's still looking for one person who will fear him. God is still looking for one person who will honor him, who will be in awe of him to the point that they're going to be faithful to him, that they're going to be faithful to their family, that they're going to be faithful to their church, their ministry, their worship, their witness for God. He's looking for that one person. When he looks at you, what does he see? Does he see that one person? That could be that one person that holds back his judgment? Or does he see you just like the rest of the crowd as being the reason judgment's coming? I love our church. Been here 19 and a half years been 19 and a half good years i love our church and i feel we're doing a number of good things here however i I, and i've told you this before i believe there's two areas that we're failing god in in one area is in evangelism and i think the other area is in discipleship i believe we're failing in those two areas and the reason and the reason is some that god has given the Gift of evangelism, okay? are not getting out and sharing their faith within the community. Some that God has given the gift of knowledge and wisdom, which is what it takes to, to be a disciple and disciple others. You're not finding someone that, that you can pour yourself into and disciple them and, and help to grow them. But if we would only ask the question, what will I do when the end comes? I think we would begin getting serious with God because we would know that the end is near and I am going to have to answer to God. I'm going to have to answer to him. I think it's time we begin getting serious with God. And, 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 and there may be someone here who has never asked Christ to forgive you of your sins and never asked him to, to come and be the Lord of your life. In, in other words, you've never been saved. Well, you need to ask the question this morning, what will I do when the end comes? What will I do when I draw that final breath? What will I do when this spirit man is taken out of this body and is standing before God? You see, if you're not saved, hell is your destiny. If you are Heaven is. But what will you do when the end comes? Child of God, you're saved. You know you're saved. (sighs) But you say, you know what? If Jesus come today and raptured his church and I stood before that Bema seat, my rewards would be very few because I have not really been living for him the way I should. There's other things in my life that i put before him there's things in my life that i love more than him there's things in my life that mean more to me than they mean than god means to me you know what you need to get that right with him this morning the end is coming what are you going to do when it's here let's pray